0: I'm Eitan Weinstein, and I'm Naor Menninger, and you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys.
1: This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. The day after tomorrow, Tuesday the 9th of April, all of Israel will have the day off elections are upon us. About four million of us will be hitting the ballot boxes to determine who will lead this tiny Middle Eastern country in the upcoming years. No one knows how long that's going to be. Benjamin Netanyahu, the master campaigner, second only to Ben Goulion in duration as prime minister, or Benny Gantz, an ex-IDF chief of staff who has no experience in politics and who's running alongside Yair Lapid and two other ex-IDF chiefs. The country is in turmoil. It's heated, it's dirty, it's a close race, and the polls just keep on changing. But one thing is for sure, for the first time in 10 years, Bibi's reign is under a real and present threat. Today, we're super excited to host one of our favorite past guests, Daniel Barron is one of the shining stars of Jewish journalism in America. She was a senior columnist for the Jewish Journal. She also wrote for the New York Times, The Atlantic, Idiota Honot, The Guardian, and British Esquire. She's now visiting Israel, and we're thrilled to have her on the podcast again to talk a bit about politics
0: and some other stuff.
2: Thank you for making my resume sound fancy.
0: It, I mean, it, your resume <laughs> did it on its own. Just a <laughs> disclosure, I work for one of the candidates. We won't say for whom, but... Just take it into account, guys. Okay. Oh, it's like I I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, kind of yeah. thing. We
2: won't say anything too nasty. <laughs> okay. okay,
1: but I think we, I think it's fair. We start off with like a disclaimer to okay. set the stage, kind of right. Set. Uh, you're you're not an Israeli citizen. I'm not. But I would I I don't even know if you have. But if you were, can you say who you would vote for?
2: Um, That's my first question. I probably would give a very typical. Israeli answer at the moment which is like I think a vote a vote for change is necessary right now so I think anyone who represents newness new ideas new direction um, a departure from the status quo I think would be a healthy move for the country I think it's always healthy to change things up and the fact is Israel has had prime minister for a really really long time the same one and um i think in any i mean even if you were to use the analogy of a of a business organization or even a family-run organization i mean it's it's really healthy and it keeps institutions dynamic uh to infuse them with with uh, new flavors new ideas and and i think that that's something sorely needed right now but if a
0: business fails um can I delve in? Yeah. Okay. If a business fails, you know, <laughs> you go bankrupt, everybody go on his or her way. But here we have one chance to make it right, right? The leader cannot fail. If he fails, everybody dies basically.
2: See, so uh, I th- yeah, I actually think that that's like a tremendous apocalyptic exaggeration. I actually think the sign of really effective and um outstanding excellent leadership is a leader who can walk away from what they lead and it is self-sustaining that it and i think israel is at a point in its development now more than at any time in its short history uh, modern israel um in where the country's doing really well I mean, there were so many fears about... And and honestly, I give Netanyahu a lot of credit. I mean, there are a lot of things to credit him for. I mean, security, the economy is booming. I mean, I... I look outside my window in Florentine and I see a hundred cranes you know looming over the city so the development is is just skyrocketing and um, I think uh,
0: you also traveled outside of Tel Aviv yes
2: he's expanded the diplomatic horizons of the country I mean he's done a lot of good and I think Israel is not this kind of it's no longer the scrappy startup Um, yes there are real and present threats on the border but I don't think at the moment there are any Israel can't is not well equipped to handle, and um, I don't think that the prime minister. Look, I mean, I thought there were many people in America uh, and the liberal side that thought Trump was gonna was equaling, you know, was a, was gonna be apocalyptic doom for yeah. the United States of America. And you know what? Uh, a few years in, I find that some days are are, are concerning, but overall.
1: His haircuts
0: the, the institutions
2: of part. democracy are holding up if I were
0: you I wouldn't so, go back to America after saying that <laughs> I but it can be argued
1: that the United States is on a much I don't know more stable foundation or at least they're they're in a much more stable region than Israel
2: no question about that and although we have the we have like at least 3,000 scary, migrants trying to come over the border yeah. from the south so days. that's a real existential threat to no, americans what i'm saying
1: is that when israel has tacos it, it, it hasn't taken it hasn't taken you know as much as like i don't know uh, a war to make this area this country we live in like uh destabilized and to make our lives very scary like
2: i think that's one of netanyahu's greatest achievements is that he has convinced not just so many Israeli citizens but many Jews in the diaspora as well that without him, the country is truly imperiled, that there is no one else who could protect it as well as he can, that there is no other leader who is as strong as he is. And I think this is one of his great successes because people really believe that and they are afraid. But what I'm saying
1: is it's more, I'm not not, not necessarily him. I'm trying to draw a dichotomy and say that on one hand, you have strong uh, uh, leadership that doesn't make concessions and that is... Uh, you know, strong on security, and on the other hand, you have a side that's trying to appease and to make deals. And I, I, I'm I'm just trying to. draw... I'm not saying one is right or one is the is is wrong, but I'm saying actually I am. <laughs> but I'm 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 wondering if it doesn't take as much as it's not so apocalyptic. I'm not saying that tomorrow, if uh, if, uh, if if someone as weak or if someone weaker than than Benjamin Netanyahu or someone who doesn't share his outlook the the israel is going to fall into some kind of like the next world war and it's going to be apocalypse but you might have people blowing themselves up on buses and we're not that far from that but do you
2: like, really feel that the infrastructure that's in place would not hold up it didn't if, if netanyahu was not in power it yes.
0: didn't hold up from 95 to 2007, 8, 9. But all of these, but,
2: but there have been incredible measures taken in that time. I mean, first of all, you have the, I mean, I think the the completion of the wall was an absolute game changer. The check, I mean, there are all these checkpoints that the fact that the restrictions on the freedom of movement of the Palestinians from the West Bank and certainly uh, Gaza as well, that there's, you know, it's really hard to infilt- i mean, th- that's why you know the I'm Gazans- not sure it's
0: that It's that hard. We had a knife intifada two years ago. You remember that?
1: Yeah, I remember it, was, it. it. It was much less devastating
0: than it was, but, but like it could in- have been even. Yeah. I mean, he did—he did manage to balance things somehow. But with- I also
2: think, like the knife thing, to me was—it felt like a hiccup of bad actors rather than a like systemic threat to. Uh, peace security. and security in the state. It felt like it felt like small. It's like it was like it's like rock throwing at tanks. I mean, yeah, but it could. I mean, the
0: what's well, nobody wants nobody it. wants to
2: live that way. And I'm not saying it's not a it's not living. But I mean, if you compare, you know, the the knife incidents to the number of gun deaths of we course. have in the United States, it's like there's of no comparison. Course. And yet, people don't walk around like feeling, you know, if so-and-so isn't the leader of the country, then, the, you know... I mean, first of all, anyway, that's a whole different thing. But I'm just saying, I, I don't want to get too hysterical about, like, the ni- I actually think things have been going pretty well. That's why he's popular. So,
0: but you said it yourself. <laughs> things are going well. You can see that. You can feel that. Mm-hmm. Many, maybe, maybe Americans who are, who are not well. here can't really fathom the things that you see when you walk around the street. Yeah. So why switch a winning horse, as they say? Do they, do they say it
2: in English too or just in uh, Hebrew? I mean,
0: some somebody has probably said it once. Okay, in <laughs> Hebrew it's a saying. Yeah. Anyway, you get no, the point. I so, yeah.
2: um, because I think there are other areas that require immediate and meticulous attention. Um, I think that it's problematic and troubling that like a peace plan wasn't even... Wasn't even on the list of like policy issues that were debated this time. That concerns me. Um, so and and of course, there are all kinds of internal issues. I think, you know, Bibi has been incredibly divisive as a leader as well. I mean, I think you've never seen a time of as much strain between Israeli Jews and American Jews. You've never seen as much strain between Jewish Israelis and non-Jewish Israelis um uh you've never seen as much strain between Orthodox and non-Orthodox. There is a lot of divisiveness within because he he and other leaders like him around the world. I include my own it's weird to call him my president. It doesn't feel that way, but he is technically the president of the United States and I am a citizen there, so therefore he is my president. Um <laughs> That was the
1: longest um, It's difficult to say. I
2: just, I can't help it. It's like the words, it's hard for them to come out. Um, uh, are of a party, um, and, and this is part, also part and parcel of like uh, Netanyahu has aligned himself with other sort of autocratic, um, uh, authoritarian, strong men around the world and tribalism is sort of the prevailing political ideology of that that kind of a leader because when you keep people divided and fearful and angry at the other one and blaming and this and that you it it you you have an opportunity to come in and, and save the day and I think when things are very kind of over simple and black and white uh, it's easy for it's easy to make sense of very complex issues and distill them down to um you know a simple formula of course most things are not that way in reality policy is very complex uh, good policy so you know um yeah
0: so who would you who would you vote for in, i was uh, gonna
1: ask you the same question
0: but you can't say i
1: can say <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like you yes. like that you're so comfortable in that position
0: yeah uh, it's I, maybe uh, it's better
1: I uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but I think I'm debating between actually uh, BB and Faglin, uh, which
0: I think yesterday you said Bennett and Faglin. No, you well never mind Bennett. <laughs>
2: wow. Okay, yeah. so so please explain that to me, because I think this is. And you are—I mean, well, you—you were an American Jew once,
1: yeah.
2: Right? No longer. I
1: was. No, I I mean, I'm still an American, and I'm still a Jew.
2: (laughs) Um, So now you're an American, and you're like you're all in one, like the one-stop shop.
1: Jewish israel. But do you
2: argue with yourself? What what was that? What's that famous line about? um, With our, with our arguments with others, we make rhetoric. With our arguments with ourselves, we make poetry someone very famous and important and classic <sighs> in literature and I can't even think of who it was but someone I feel can... like I don't make poetry when I
1: tell <laughs> <when I laughs> it. it's more just like doodles, doodles. <laughs> like that's what I make but I, uh, I I think that people like to uh, uh, what's it called dogmatize the whole uh, uh, discussion I don't think these people are as bad as As everybody puts, makes them out to be. I don't think Faglin is this. Explain who's Faglin. Faglin is the head of a party called Identity Zehut, which, um, which I'm sure you've heard about. But for our listeners, uh, he it's it's come to to represent a libertarian mindset that's taken on sort of the legal, uh, cannabis legalization uh, ticket. Also um, religious. But also, so he, yeah, but also religious.
2: Ultra-nationalist, West Bank annexation, yeah. stripping Palestinians yeah. of voting uh, rights. Also Gaza annexation, by the way. Yeah.
1: Not stripping.
2: No voting rights.
1: But they don't have voting rights.
2: Okay, but he doesn't want them. He wants to annex and then not have voting. No, it is stripping. way frame. It is stripping. Because right now, they do have voting rights
0: in their... No, 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 no. In theory. In theory. In theory. In practice, they don't. They didn't have elections for like a decade or something. No,
2: but also... But also,
1: like, from a political science perspective, I'm not responsible for their voting rights in their country. I'm not. I can't strip them of their voting rights in their country. But if, if you but I'm if you
2: annex their territory yeah, and I'm bring res- it into your country I'm and res- don't give them voting rights, that's a problem. No, you prevent them. No, but,
1: what, it, them from no, but that, what I'm saying is apartheid. my responsibility as a nation is for the protection of my own citizens. If another nation is attacking me, I can strip their citizens of whatever rights. I'm not responsible for that. There's certain human rights that I'm responsible for. And he doesn't want to strip them of human rights. But he's not giving... Voting is a civil right. And he doesn't want to give them voting rights. But he does... Hold on. (laughs) I think this is a matter of framing. He does want to give them a road to citizenship. And then if they are citizens, then they can vote.
2: Right, if they do a loyalty pledge or something. Yeah. I mean, this is very... This Which very, is what you have to do. It's very problematic. I I don't see how don't that you works. do pledge loyalty
0: in America I, to...
2: Um, it's easy for me to pledge loyalty because I was born there and it's part of my identity. Uh, English is the language... American English is the language that I speak. But you're talking about bringing in millions of people who not only do... Do they not connect to the idea of Israel or even like Israel? They identify differently and they have a right to yeah. say we are something else. And, you know, I mean, I believe I'm I'm a believer in a two state solution. So it's ve- you're not going to convince me that annexation so, and, and no voting rights is the answer yeah. to the situation. I, I think that that's a I, I think it's a lose lose. It's just a matter of when.
1: So there's two answers I have to that. One is. I don't totally believe in what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. One is one is basically that I don't feel like I have to totally come ter- come to terms. I don't actually not believe what I'm saying, but I just I, what I'm saying is I don't feel like I have to totally come to terms with Feiglin's, uh perspective and outlook on security because I don't think he's going to be in that position mm-hmm. right now. But I I when you do come to terms with it. I don't think it's as drastic as people are are putting it out to. I think it's a solution. Uh, and I think that there are people I mean, we're gonna be having hopefully Moldechai Kedal on the podcast soon and he talks about the fact that the the nationality and the identity of Palestinians is a questionable thing. It is. I mean they haven't you know I,
2: I can understand that there are people for whom that argument um, does them a great service it serves them and it serves their interests and their own ideology so i can understand why there will be people who would make an argument argument. like that like every argument but that's not the world that i believe in it's not the world i live in i think if there's any kind of sense of human progress or the the you know you know we we do want to believe that the
0: wait so is it wait let me ask let where finish. finished yeah yeah no
2: i just you know to me um the idea, you know, the the Martin Luther King idea about how you know the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Like it's not I, I don't it's not up to me to tell someone else. I mean, we have laws to restrict people from doing dangerous things and hurtful things, and I'm fine with that. But someone who wants to live freely with dignity, rights, in a land that they consider their own, where they have generations of family history, um, if I negate that claim, I'm negating my own claim.
1: I don't think so, because I don't think that they... First of all, I i mean, does anybody But I who... think
2: like we're going to get mired in the whole thing and i'm okay. not yeah. sure so
1: so let me let me take it to a different topic because again the security issue is i i think that i think bb's gonna take the next elections and i'm pretty happy with the way he's handling so sec- i mean i'm not totally happy but i'm pretty happy but the main reason i'm voting Faglin or probably voting Fagelin is for the libertarian issue and i think israel is like entrenched in this socialist uh culture that it inherited from somewhere i mean a lot of it probably comes from europe and from east and from russia
2: well yeah i mean the builders of the state were yeah. it was yeah. so
1: and i think it's i think it's just it's ruining us like it's, it's so
2: it's interesting to me that you say that because like everywhere i look i see like capitalism i see only, the only if you live in here Aviv, in the
0: only if you, I here, yeah. you feel the, but, but by the same the,
2: token, you, ha- you have things. I mean, I talk to friends from the States who are an American is married to an Israeli and they you know, the idea that they could come to Israel to raise kids is super appealing to them because they would receive so many additional benefits to life. Health care is uh, more affordable. Um, daycare education etc all of these things that in the it's united all... states you i mean i have a friend in new york city who's sending her kid to priest to a jewish uh uh like preschool okay little like four and it's 40 something thousand dollars a year preschool
0: let's uh, yeah okay well america really? is one it's extreme really good though
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure that kid's gonna be a genius <laughs> but look on gonna paper the next einstein
0: <laughs> like 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 communism and social on paper it sounds very good what Israel is suggesting to its citizens, but when you delve in and look at the details, you can, you find out that our health system sucks. Yes, on paper you get free healthcare, but try to 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 book an MRI scan. Yeah, takes you, forever. If, if you want it for free, you can come next year. Or if yeah. you want a skin doctor, it's next month. Okay, yeah. and yeah, I pay, and you still pay. Uh, so 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 this uh, th- this sucks. And and about the the education system, it's the worst it costs like tons it's not free that's the thing the the educational budget in israel is is bigger than the security budget did you know it it's bigger and 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 uh, so you pay a lot billions and billions and billions and the level of of education, it's mediocre. He's got
1: a really good.
2: Yeah, but I could make plan. I could make the same argument about the public school system in America. I could make the same argument about the health system in America. I mean, you want to talk about a disaster? Uh, let's go into the American health system, where you, if you have the means, you can get the best healthcare in the world, and if you don't, um, good luck to you.
1: But that's exa- um, that's that's what I mean. We-
2: even me, I mean, I I, I have to wait. Often, I mean, I have to wait months sometimes to go to some of my most basic essential doctors. Um, primary care tends to be better, but if it's any kind of specialist or female-related or whatever, like I could be on a... I mean, I can't even...
0: When you go to the hospital, will you lie on, on a Alunka? How do you say that? Stretcher. On a stretcher in the kitchen?
2: Um because here you will. I don't know because I've never been in a hospital here in America. You
0: will. Here you will. You will lie on a stretcher in the kitchen.
2: But I can tell you that I was in a hospital in Paris and it was quite nice. <laughs> White glove service on the food in the morning. They were bringing me like Caprese salad and then, you know, sticking croissants IVs in my arms. Yeah. Croissant awesome. butter. <laughs> like Iv throw up. I think we should
1: all get French hospitals. Anyways,
2: <laughs> what I wanna I wanna ask you, yeah. what do you see? Um, what do you see as the primary difference? I mean, it one thing that occurs to me that I and that I've discussed with some of my Israeli friends during the time the short two weeks that I've been here is that it seems to me like you have on the one hand Netanyahu, who is this incredibly polished politician um he's uh and brett stevens had a great line about netanyahu um he he of course was writing an article on like why he should not be prime minister again but he said he's politically cunning strategically canny and toxically flawed and i thought okay that's uh that's close and he um and he said um anyway so there's there's netanyahu who's this like incredibly polished uh, candidate and um and then there's Gantz, who what I've heard is like people just say he's a human being. I think Brett Stevens, even, I was reading his column today, and he said he interviewed him. I think probably he was there for APAC, and he got to sit with him one-on-one, and he sort of did this kind of not-so-veiled insult about it wasn't that interesting of an interview. <laughs> it was like kind of basic, but he said what struck him about Gantz is that he's someone who exudes like a quality of character and his kind of attitude was really, is really the, the, uh, the departure from the Netanyahu model. So this idea that you have like this studied politician, very crafty, very cunning, very canny, and then you have like the nice guy, like a nice guy, like a guy that you feel like he could be your uncle or your yeah, dad. Yeah, although he did or, kill... I'm not of saying, and... but I think he exudes. <laughs> <Not> he...
1: Single-handedly, <laughs> I'm,
2: not, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you know uh, he's not capable of of you know doing very difficult things, but um, or violence or whatever it is. But I think that there's a sense about him that like he's very human. He comes across as very human, yeah. and think... um, Netanyahu, I think, comes across as like a wonderful um, you know political actor.
1: I think that can I can I. Because yeah. I feel like it was directed at him, but I'm gonna steal no, it. Go for it. <laughs> but maybe you want to take it after. But I think I've heard. I I I feel like the 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 media here in Israel paints that picture all the time. I don't. It's not like the first time hearing of it. Um, but I think that that's exactly the problem with politics today. Is that question? It's a popularity contest, and I don't get it. It's like, what do I give a shit about? Who this guy is? It should be a battle of ideas so you, and
2: capabilities. See, but I argue. And I think. Yeah. I think your character informs your ability to a execute on your ideas. Ch- Churchill was a shitty person, right? Um, I mean, shitty. And-, and Hitler was a nice guy,
0: <laughs> by the way. <laughs> If you talk, no. if, you met, no, if you
2: met him, I'm not if talking you talking about nice versus not nice, if you met I'm talking him on party character.
0: on a dinner party, you know, I'm Daniel, I'm, I'm Adolf. You, you,
2: but I, probably get along. But Addy, to me, actually, Addy. But, but that's the personality and character is a different thing. I'm talking about a different thing. I'm talking about qualities of character, like what what makes a person who they are. What define? What essential characteristics define? You know who they are in this world and what they're going to do. And I, I think character brings to I me. Mean, I mean, for example, like if you look at Trump's character, there are so many aspects of his character that inform his style, um, the way that he makes deals, the way he um, interacts with people that work for him, the um, his treatment of underlings. Uh, I mean, it, it, for me, it like resonates on so many levels. The fact that he's willing to, you know, cheat, cut corners, not pay taxes, inflate the value of his assets. It, like these are things like that to me matters. Like I don't want a leader who's cheating and I don't want I don't want someone leading the country who's whose own self-interest trumps pun intended. Mm. Almost everything else.
0: So that's where, Amer- or maybe that's where Americans or American Jews differ from Israelis. I think if you polled in the streets, you would see that people don't care if the leader is nice; they care about if he can keep them safe. Yeah, but and, she's saying and...
1: more than nice. She's saying, yeah, I'm there's not...
0: actually a, like yeah. what she's pointing at is like
1: a moral turptitude. Like,
2: yeah, and I actually think one of one of my grievances with netanyahu is that i think that like there are so there are there are so few moral considerations that come that come before political interest for him i mean it's something that i just feel i've seen again and again it's like he does not care who he offends who he upsets how how the he vi- he has said vile things. I mean, he he has no problem um, subjugating certain elements in the population, ins- insulting, d- demeaning, etc. Sure. And. And to me, it's like, well, you know, for him, it's like, and, and, you know, Jewish self-interest is part of his self-interest. So I understand that his more, his, in his view, his moral calculus is I'm protecting the one and only Jewish state. And, you know, I have to, I I have to preserve the, the arc of, of Jewish history, right? Like it's up to me, <laughs> otherwise we'll disappear probably, um, into Adams, um, yeah, so, but that's like normal for let, leaders, let's, right. Let's, right? Right, let's but so, but so, anyway, so, so okay, that's just right. So, I wanted to ask you about like what are your so, impressions of Gantz. I, Gaunt's, I um, think,
0: first of all, why people vote for Gantz? I I guess that's the question, right? So, I I think if I need to say three reasons reason number one, he looks good <laughs> visually, he's handsome, he's tall. What is that? That, That's just awful.
2: Uh, He is. No, I know, but I'm saying it's
0: awful that we're in a place
1: where that's like number one reason. It
2: always matters. It always matters. People like people like to look at nice things. It's classic. I mean, look at look at the. I mean. Look at Obama, super fit, tall. Yep. Uh, J.F.K. Like people like yep. things. People yep. like people are easy. There was also William Taft. Easy on the eyes. Was like yeah. Four hundred pounds. Thank God we weren't around back, back then. <laughs>
0: um, but So he looks good if you, compose, you compare him to Bougie to uh, Herzog last right. time. You know it's right. it's incom- you, It's yeah. So this is reason number one. Reason number two, he was uh, the chief of staff. Yeah. Here it's a deal breaker. Uh, like uh, Herzog wasn't chief of staff before him. Who ran against him? I don't know. I don't remember. But, but it's the first time since 99, essentially, that a chief of re- staff. That's what you think is. Re- I'd say reason two is to topple BB. I
1: would say that May, why, might even why be why people- I agree reason one. I feel like that's mo every yes, argument but, I but, hear but, is but, yalla dai, li, no, right, but that was the
0: same but it was the same argument in 2015 with Herzog with Herzog yeah, well, and and he couldn't pull the same numbers that that Gantz is getting now hmm. so why is that why is he more than anyone before him since Barack, he, because, can't, well, he can't
2: help it that he's good, good looking. Nope.
0: <laughs> nope we got. Nope. First of all,
1: we got to wait till Tuesday to see what the numbers actually are, because in yeah. the end, the polls yeah, 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 said yeah, that yeah, Bibi yeah. would get a
0: lot less. But last election, so those are the two okay, main. reasons. Uh, I think uh, this is more like strategic campaigning um, virtue. Mm-hmm. S- since he went with Lapid, mm-hmm. um, what he got from Lapid is infrastructure that no one else has. Like, he has... He, for, I'll give you guys an exam, example. Like I Like campaigning to see, infrastructure? Yeah. I went to see Guns in an event two weeks ago. I wanted to see and to experience. He did a, a, an event for young people here in Tel Aviv. I went to look to see and experience him face to face. I was in awe from what i saw really it it was i've never it's it was america i've never seen such an event what do you mean first of all it was packed like it had 300 young people now in israel to bring 300 young people to hear a politician in the evening it's it's extremely hard extremely hard people let's say age twenty to thirty now. You would think
2: he pro- he you would think he was promising to legalize pot. It,
0: for, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then the whole production felt Hollywood. It was in, like perfect. And everything it was shining. And and you felt did he have
2: Rihanna sing or something like that? No, but you know that's it's big whole in the States. Thing. It was
0: it was perfectly organized. That he got from yeah. Lapide. Yeah. Um, and they're all around. How did the country. He get that from Lapid? because Lapide has built an infrastructure for winning for eight years. Like the whole system. so it's it's from being everywhere, have volunteers everywhere, but also production of events, organization of ev- everything is mm-hmm. is perfect. And he got that, and now he's he's using it to his advantage. And 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 when he, I saw him also in the event, it was extremely impressive under all that those circumstances.
2: So let's talk about the murmurings from the beyond. That as soon as presumably um, Trump's favorite Israeli prime minister gets reelected, there are uh, whispers um, that there's going to be a peace plan unveiled.
1: Well, it's kind of like. There's because there's mixed messages because Trump's got one plan and then BB just a, a few days ago or yesterday, I think, yeah, said he's, he's going like, to annex the West
2: Bank. Yeah, I know. I heard that. But he <laughs> said like that on the same page, but he said that before and then walked it back yeah. after the election. So I don't really trust much that comes <laughs> yeah. out of his mouth. I don't trust Although, to be to be fair to BB. I don't trust much of what comes out of any politician's mouth before an election. Fair you fair know, enough, fair enough. they're one of the gifts of being a politician is that you're very good at telling people what they want to hear mm-hmm so um but you know the long-awaited masterminded by the political strategist extraordinaire jared kushner <laughs> so i read something today and do you know the newsletter jewish insider so it's I've amazing, it, yeah. and my my friend Max Newberger um, created it and runs it, and he has like an incredible growing team of reporters that are like really killing it. And he has a reporter. He says the only he's the only like Jewish journalism reporter on Capitol Hill, and so they reported there. So he he puts all this stuff together in this newsletter, and I was reading it, and there was something about how Kushner is going to perhaps present his plan on like he's going to use film or video to uh, the way he would he would show off like the penthouse apartments on a building that he needs to sell or whatever and he's gonna make some like fancy video (laughs) about this is what your life could look like with the 65 billion dollars I have collected from a handful of Middle Eastern countries and the United States and just imagine one day (laughs) five-star hotels world-class restaurants
1: it might work. Bibi likes presentations, but for whom is it? No, for the, Palestinian. for the Palestinians. Yeah.
0: Ah, okay. He's That's gonna like carrot. try to like
2: sell them on, you know, okay, glamour, okay. glam, glamify, glamify if Gaza. I mean, That's if, what I, we were, should call if it.
0: I were them, I'd take it with both hands. Yeah, but... I know.
2: We you can only hope.
0: But I I, I, I think take what though the pl- There's no plan. What they well, we don't say? know it yet. Yeah, but they're gonna. Offer maybe maybe they'll just offer of to like
2: put up a few like free trump towers and everyone can live in them for <laughs> free and they guarantee electricity actually all day long And casinos here at trump tower gaza you can actually you can get electricity 24 hours a day
1: i feel like trump's style though kind of would fit in in that in that culture in the middle east oh, you yeah. know what i mean
2: they they respond to like that that those extravagance clients. well also they they resp- the way that he operates it's a kind of uh, it's the strong man, you know, negotiation. And I feel like the I think that was one of the biggest complaints that a lot of the so in the L.A. Jewish community, we have Jews from all over the world. And one of the big um, populations within the L.A. Jewish demographic are um, Iranian born uh, Jews, Iranian born American Jews. And they lived in, you know, they lived in, in, in an Islamic country and they feel that they have experience with a certain mindset and a certain way of doing things, culturally speaking. And so they always faulted Obama during the Iran deal because they felt that the Obama administration was so desperate to get a deal, they were just giving away the store, giving away the store. And they were saying, like, you don't understand how it works in our part of the world. Like, yeah. you don't understand how these people think. And they are they have the long game in mind. And so I think Trump, quite to the contrary of Obama, um, he understands that mentality and he's like the person who's like willing to walk away from the table well you don't like it okay never mind deals off you know
0: yeah and have um, this one chance
2: exactly he'll take it or leave it right and he'll present a really pretty picture so i so like today i saw a number there the number that they're sort of banding about is 65 billion dollars for the palestinians for For... giving
0: up their dream for (laughs) the entire land For us, like for us, so there will be no. So it's it will be annexation. No, no, we will annex. Will we will annex the Goussacion? You know, there will be. I mean, there will be the land swaps and all the things that everyone's always talking about. Yeah, they get. They probably won't get a state right uh, right off the bat. That's a horrible plan. Listen, (laughs) that's such a bad plan. That's such a child's plan.
2: We'll see. (laughs) We'll, Well.
0: it's like
1: you let me said pay it. him a lot
0: of money. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, BB and Trump are so close together, right? Yeah, which is they're like amazing. two peas in
2: a pod. How do you explain that? Um, first of all, I think that they are very similar operators. Um, BB is obviously more polished. He's more intellectual. Uh, definitely more educated. Uh, Trump is more kind of like off the cuff. He's more sort of an improviser. He's spontaneous. He says the first thing that comes into his mouth. Um, But I think that they fundamentally have, I think that they have the self-interest, not just self, it's like self-interest, but it's also self-preservation. Like they have these very primal core instincts that are very similar, in my opinion. They want, they think of themselves with grandeur, they aspire to greatness. They want to live well. They want to. They want power. They want luxury. I mean, look at all the things that, like, so many of the things Netanyahu's gotten in trouble for over the years. All the corruption charges. And, like, it's always about like luxury items, like money or champagne or whatever it was. Like, it's like his cigars. I mean, and like here's Trump with his, you know private jet that has golden seatbelts you know and, and i and i'm like yeah this is like this is the great aspiration like I'm a, I'm a i'm the king of the world you know i'm powerful people listen to me they do my bidding um i mean there's it's grandiosity it's narcissism um it's they have a lot in common and, I, and they they really work the same way they understand each other but
0: israel is the great benefit beneficiary beneficiary of the, that relationship I Ab- would say.
2: absolutely but here's the big question mark is like trump is not an idiot he's given israel a lot that has been helped by the fact i mean and there's no question in my mind that the reason trump effected to israel the way that he did is because so many of the people around him are orthodox american jews um and he has been influenced greatly. He respects those these people that have, that he's worked with. Some of them many years. Obviously his son in law, um his daughter converted to Judaism. So his lawyer, yeah, Cohen. many like many lawyers. Or maybe not. Many, yeah, but a, a
1: large part of the Republican constituency has always been. I mean, recently, but at least, not
2: not really pro, because the pro-Israel. Jews are so small. Yes, they have been. Of course, they've been pro-Israel, but Jews are such a small. But in Trump's world, Orthodox Jews are dominant you know there are there are a lot of of really you know talented intelligent orthodox jews around him that he respects so the connection was there the the kushner thing is huge um his family so it was an easy it's and he is that that's that's also it it's like the nepotism thing right like it's his family and it's his family's interest and so just after donald trump comes donald trump's family so you know, so I think that the little bit of the special connection there is, is attributable to that. Um, but, uh, Anyway. Do you get Israelis? You... Sorry. I have a, but But, question. oh, so my, so my, so where I was going with all of that was that, so my big question is, okay, so he's given, given, given. You got, you got the embassy. You got the Golan. You got, um, you, you know, so many, so the, the thing that with the United Nations, I mean, pulling out of the Security Council, Nikki Iran, Haley. Iran. The deal, the Iran deal. So... He's been very strategically giving, 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 and then he's going to, I mean, Trump always said, this is the, the hardest deal in the world, and he is going to make it. So he has ambition to solve this problem, and my yeah, question is, gonna when is his... he going to come to BB and say, look, I've given you this, 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 and I, in, in, in return, I need you to do this for me. So it will be very interesting to see what happens. And this is also why it's so crucial for Trump to, it's crucial for Trump for Netanyahu to get reelected. Yeah. Because then all bets are off. If it's not Netanyahu, who knows if he's going to be able to, oh, and by the way, I mean, I don't know this, but my guess is that on some level, by the way, there's a lot of money that's going to be involved in this. If this happens and there's a lot of development, I mean, there's like party favors to go around. So.
1: But, the thing is, I mean, first of all, he's been giving Israel, right? He hasn't just been giving Netanyahu. So I feel like it's going to carry over somewhat.
2: Yes, agreed. Agreed.
1: But, but I, I doubt that anybody would be able to.
2: But he has something he wants to accomplish while Netanyahu is prime minister. Trump has something he I'm wants to accomplish while he's invested. in office. He's invested saying, well, in wait, BB. no, but yeah. what I'm
1: saying is that Bibi is the only one that has proven, sort of, has a proven track record of standing up to. Uh, a u.s president who also basically true. put a lot a lot of pressure yeah so you know obviously obama wasn't as friendly and didn't use that strategy of give give that's give another thing come. i was going to say
2: like part of the friendship i think also is that they're they're very polarizing figures and trump doesn't have a lot of friends around the world like people don't like him like the he has alienated like many of america's most important allies and bv likes him and they get along and they're they're on the same page so It's like they can be chummy in that way. They're not going to tell each other what to do. It's like you run your country and I'll run my country. But it's like Trump needed a friend. (laughs) Like he needed a friend on the world stage. And I think he frankly admires Bibi. There are a lot of things to admire. um, If you can put some of your core moral values aside. I mean, Bibi has like, he's talented. I mean, he's gifted in many ways. And um, I credit, I mean, he's a... He's a smooth operator, as you, they say.
1: Do you think that BB suffers at all from any kind of maybe negative, uh, like overly like, negative? Yeah, overly neg- like the opposite of whitewashing. Like, do you think that people are painting him? I and-
2: do. I. I'm sure. I don't. I don't follow him in a granular way because I don't live here. So I get like the big points and I follow the news, but I'm not reading it the same way I'm reading about Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say, and this is coming, this is coming out of the mouth of someone who uh, is not a a Trump fan, um, 99.9% of the time. But um, I definitely think the media is, the media loves to hate Trump. And I also know just people that I know like I have this very funny I'm on this thread of these like quite powerful um, very accomplished women uh, from all over the United States mostly New York and LA but some okay so keep going um, uh, some Hollywood filmmakers sort of put this group together and they're they're really like high profile women um, a handful of them names you would know and I mean the level of hysteria over Trump, and like what? I it, I mean I could give you a million examples. It would be waste. It's just it's to a degree where like I I have a hard time I guess relating because there's no there's no there's no nuance there's no it's just there's
1: instinctual almost
2: yeah it's like it's this it's it's a kind of automatic reaction yeah and that concerns me as much as anything like the minute that citizens start reacting automatically like that i mean i don't see i don't see how that is a a morally superior behavior to anything that trump does like yeah. I, I mean to me like when you become a sort of unthinking automaton when it comes to politics like you're that's a dereliction of your civic duty i mean you have a responsibility to to like deeply examine and interrogate and it's like there's no there's no
1: there's none of that going on in that group. None of that.
2: <laughs> but it's 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 symptomatic of the left in general. I mean, the yeah. just so yes, I do think there is a, a an outsized hysteria and anim, anim antipathy towards Donald Trump. There's there's no question about that. But do you get- much of it is deserved, and but, but it's still there.
0: Do you get the Israeli's who just love him and don't care about his dad. Yeah, bad.
2: I I completely understand. You mean Israelis who love Trump? Yeah. I mean, this trip in particular, I've realized like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. He's like like live your lives. Do it's like I'm going to I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you what you want and you should be free to prosper and do and and I think for Israelis, it's great. You know, if we're talking about, like, naked self-interest for the average Israeli citizen, um, the things that Trump has done for the country are great. They're great for Israel. They're great for the Jewish state. They're great for Jewish aspirations, Jewish sense of self, etc., security, blah, 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 blah. Um,
0: Because if an Israeli were to debate with a Jewish American, like, I I guess... uh,
2: Depends on which Jewish American, yeah, because the you know we we have to be post Trump. We have to be very careful, and I would encourage like both of you, obviously, as you talk about this, is like first of all, the American Jewish community is not at all monolithic, and I think um, one of the interesting phenomenons up until recently, when the when the left won seats back, when the Democrats won seats back in the House, is that there has been this rightward lurch. In not just in the halls of power, but it has it has trickled down to the Jewish community because the uh, the power, the, the 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 powers that be are there's a, you know, like Trump and like Orthodox, the, the vast majority of American Orthodox Jews, um, not all, but and, and particularly like some modern Orthodox tend to be a little more kind of socially liberal or whatever but um there is a very strong loud powerful wealthy community of american orthodox jews on the far right and they love trump and you aren't they a
0: minority though
2: they are a minority but right now they have power they Mm -hmm. have the ear of the government of the united states um, they have uh, they have shared interests. So there's there's a lot of there's a simpatico thing going on there right now, and it's very interesting because the left has been kind of, it's interesting that all of this, Anti, I mean, there's anti-Semitism on both sides, but it's interesting that this kind of uptick and the fact that Israel, like Israel, is becoming a wedge issue in American politics. When to Apex credit for so long, it was a bipartisan issue. APEC did a brilliant job of really bringing people, educating people, bringing Congress people to Israel, and I mean, they they were they were magnificent at doing that. And then it all fell apart. And, and that's a subject and- for a whole, an entire podcast, but you know it's it's interesting to me that at the moment that the right and the sort of like orthodox jewish alignment is happening in israel it's like orthodox american jews the trump administration israel all good and then on the left you have like all of this this sort of like creeping uh i mean on the on the on the right you also have you know white nationalism in america and there's you know anti-Semitism is the beating heart of white nationalism and Trump is perfectly happy to dog whistle to his white nationalist base um, whenever it, it serves him he'll do that and then he'll turn around and give Israel you know the Golan Heights, which is funny, but I remember hearing a, a podcast on the New York Times a long time ago, and I thought this was such, and And someone said, like, wait, I don't understand it. How could white nationalists support a president who's so pro-Israel if they hate Jews? And they're like, because Israel's like a model of like an ethnic state, and they want all the Jews to go there. They don't mind if you're in Israel. They just don't want you in, they want to have like a white America again. Um Anyway, I'm segwaying, great again. I'm segwaying into the anti-semitism thing which I have a lot to say about but I don't always fascinating I'll wait for you to ask me a question
1: but you were beginning to say something about anti-semitism creeping into the left in it's America. on both sides okay.
2: but it's different how um, is it different so um so the left is so what's happening on the left is happening the anti-semitism of the left is related to anti-zionism and I think you see those two as a pair more on the left. Um, it it comes in terms of you know ascribing you know like evil powers to Israel. It's not I mean no problem to criticize Israeli policy, but that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing criticism of leaders. it was it was very wrong for so and so to say this or this policy it does a disservice to the Palestinians because you're not seeing that you're seeing, you know ilhan omar's tweets about Benjamin's. hypnotism and and money buying uh you know anyone who supports the jewish state well their their loyalty must have been bought and paid for i mean which is an insult to me <laughs> by the way so you know um anyway so so i think you um but i think what's I I listened to this really and and listen, I there's a rabbi in my community. And, you know, she claims that the anti Semitism um, of the right is the more violent, dangerous one, because these are the these are the well armed white nationalists of America who are, you know, gun toting, They, they have like a lot of guns and they they advocate violence and of course when they had their rally in charlottesville someone was killed and um, skirmishes break out and you don't see so much that kind of stuff on the left but you see a lot of taught you see a lot of uh, articulation of anti-semitism on the left and um, and extreme uh, it's not criticism of israeli policy it's criticism of, of israel's being criticism of Israel's existence. Um, So it's really troubling. And anyway, I was listening to this podcast not so long ago. And there's this guy, Eric Ward, who's the executive director of something called the Western State Center. And um, he's African American. And he embedded himself with white nationalists for uh, a number of long time ago and and really studied you know and he said you know anti-semitism is essentially the beating heart of white nationalism and he said but what's so fascinating about what's happening right now in america is that first of all one of the problems is that people don't take anti-semitism seriously they don't see it as a systemic or structural problem and they don't think it it really poses any real threat and um And he said the greatest danger of this and this moment of rising anti-Semitism is he said ultimately anti-Semitism undermines democracy because the idea that there is this hidden secret Jewish cabal puppeteers that are pulling strings behind the scenes and controlling the levers of power or manipulating those in power to doing their bidding. The minute there's there's a puppeteer um a puppet master i'm sorry the minute there's a puppet master it does not matter what you do in a democracy because there's a puppet master okay there's somebody pulling the strings behind the scenes so all of a sudden you know the things that that s- democratic citizens citizens it's are called charade, upon to do basically. right it's it's a joke and and it's completely useless everything you do is futile because someone's pulling the strings behind the scenes and so he has this amazing um he has this I actually wrote it down because I thought it was so incredible Danielle he, is the first guest to have I have notes. Notes. Um, she's very so, serious so so this is this is, this is a slightly controversial statement uh, when read literally but I think if you you think about it you understand what he's getting at and he he basically said what frightens me is that non-jews do not understand that we may be at more threat of anti-Semitism than even perhaps the Jewish community itself. Because he also talks about how like, you know, there's the the they're using anti-Semitism and the Jewish cabal to suggest that these are the levers of power that are promoting People of color, equality, immigrant rights, all these policies that are loathsome to to white, to white nationalists. Like Uh the idea that like, you know, people of color live in America. Um, All these, these loathsome policies are, are being orchestrated behind the scenes by it's all, it's the Jews that are doing this. It's the Jews that are doing this. And it completely takes the wind out of the sails of people who are protesting, who are activists, who rely on our, our system of uh, law and, um, you know checks and balances and all of those things it's like basically none of that matters because there's some you know yeah fish some terrible jew doing this in the sky
1: it almost seems like it's not secret though i mean we are all over the place and we're not hiding i mean maybe maybe i don't know jared kushner right I sound like a like a wacko now. No, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that but like you could see, Jews, like they're not they're not secret about it. Like we do control a lot of stuff, but it's just because like we're successful smart and rich. And rich. <laughs> like I mean, but it's not like we're hiding it, but for and we every, do it through the point uh, is for every system Jew- of
0: freedom. Thing is for every Jew who who has power, you can find a Christian and a Muslim who has power
1: thing yeah, is but we're disproportionately represented th- yeah, in the most the hierarchies dispropor- of, yeah. of power or success or yeah. we're disproportionately Moral of the represented story, jews rock Jews rock but yep. that's the i thing. mean i
2: believe that no but so that's, but that's the you. thing
1: is that anti-semitism think... almost seems that's the reason i feel anti-semitism <laughs> is natural it's because when you climb to the top you're gonna have people who are
2: but I I, I think we down. have to, I think we have to be very careful about resorting to some of these stereotypes as much as we want to pat ourselves on the back and say well it's so wonderful that such a small percentage of the world population has accomplished such a great deal and it's it is true and and by many measures I mean number of Nobel Prize winners number of Israeli companies on the Nasdaq et cetera et cetera I mean there are a lot of ways that we can I mean Hollywood the creation of Hollywood the um, there are a lot of things that uh, the wall things on wall street you know like yeah so um there's no question that there are jewish people talented and intelligent jewish people who are who you know have possessed power in this world as anyone else might in a in another place um but I think we have to be careful about that because there have been many, many times in Jew- in Jewish history when Jews have had no power and it doesn't. and I think one of the interesting things about anti-Semitism is like you're either it's either the anti-Semitism of the all-powerful guy at the top or the Jew is what the the rodent the cockroach, mm-hmm. the, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be high or you can be low as a Jew, yeah. but we'll find a way to hate you no matter what. So it's either, for Hitler, it was vermin. It wasn't, you know, it was like, they're they're disgusting, they're dirty, they're, you know. Um, there was
1: a way for him to to stereotype us into that category. But I mean, Jews were very successful in Germany.
2: But the point is, it's ascribing these kind of secretive power, because the, the fact is, it's not the same thing to say, um, there are powerful Jewish people um, working in the American government. It's not the same thing to say that and also say that Jews control the U.S. government. Or, you know, the famous one, Jews control Hollywood. No, Jews don't control Hollywood, right? Box office controls Hollywood. It's the ability for a film to make money that that controls the way the industry operates. Are there not powerful Jews in Hollywood that helped build the industry, that have helped run the industry, that have presided over the studios, that it, the Steven Spielberg's who have made unbelievable films? Absolutely, yes, that's true. But it's not the same as saying Jews Jews run Hollywood.
0: Yeah, we d- gotta I, fin- we gotta wrap okay. things up. Okay. Legs. Are we done oh, already? We zip it. That was
2: so fast.
0: I mean, yeah, uh, just we can just mention what I guess you're it was such nowadays. a relief to
2: speak in English after yeah. all the Hebrew that I've been learning the past two weeks. <laughs> can I what talk?
0: are you up to nowadays real quick?
2: Um, I am writing a uh, television pilot about the Jews.
0: Does it have a name?
2: Um, oh, I have a quick funny story about the name. Before Michelle Obama's book came out, the title of my series was Becoming. And I was like, this is perfect. It was all about the verse in the Bible where Moses says to God, who shall I say, send me? And he says the famous line about I will be that which I will be. And I thought, oh, my God, becoming this is exactly it. Thank you. And I was on a silent meditation retreat um, with Sarah Hurwitz, who, of course, was um, uh, Michelle Obama's speechwriter, one of them, but one of the senior ones. And um I I was I hadn't seen her since an Israel trip that we had taken together a couple years ago with the Schusterman Foundation and so we were at this Jewish silent meditation retreat in the desert in California and she said what are you up to and I said oh I'm doing this thing and it's called becoming.
0: Aren't you supposed to be silent in this. It,
2: yeah well it was like right at the right at the end <laughs> okay. when we when we could talk it. and there was this there was a sermon given that was kind of about the idea of becoming and I said oh my god I love it and that's the name of my show and she goes you're kidding right and I'm like no and she goes that's the title of michelle obama's book and so she told me that like i think in june or july uh, and of course the book came out in the fall so now i'm having to rethink my still have it we'll see we'll see listen if it happens two years from now or three from my lips to god's ears Anyway, so yeah
0: so do you need sp- like someone to buy the script
2: yes okay any takers there's a rabbi two how two, much do you want two rabbi protagonists actually okay um, and it's it's firmly couched in the Jewish world. And my pilot is called The Divide Itself. And it's essentially, you know, the journey of a character who's torn between um, the life, the their fidelity to the life that they've chosen and the commitments that they've made and what I call the human longing for more.
0: We have some wow. uh, interesting people uh, listening to this show. So guys, <laughs> if you want to invest... In the next Netflix hit. The next that's big thing. Your chance. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, we are collaborating, thanks to you.
2: <laughs> You're with welcome. The, uh, with
0: the Jewish Journal. Uh, Jewishjournal.com. They my my have,
2: alma mater, I'll call it.
0: They. Yep. They have uh, podcasts they have columns they have uh, Dave Shapiro they, they have, have a website they have a website jewishjournal.com and, and for example the podcast the David Suiza podcast he, he had Jay Leno not so long ago which is pretty awesome Jay
2: Leno really likes the Jews he just hosted I think that was because he hosted some event in LA and he was like super generous and he said all these nice things about Jews and about Israel and everyone was like wow what
0: well I guess we gotta have him too
1: yeah and also also we do this on our free times guys so if you want to donate some uh schmeckles no no then no, no. shekels that's a funny story too Sheckles. but for after shekel shekels then uh, go to 2njb.com slash
0: donate thank you so much guys thank you danielle thank you for having your me time so here fun. thank you so thank much you. thanks and guys for listening next Bye. year
2: next year in jerusalem oh man <laughs> Woo.